0: Can you believe we're in church? I mean, really, can you believe that of all the places that you and I can be at this moment, this time in history, we're in a church. And we are worshiping our Lord. Can you imagine? What? What? What if he came? Listen, listen, listen. I was just reading back there a little while ago. Listen to what it says. I saw the heavens opened up. Behold, I saw a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and his righteousness he judges and he will wage war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, Ooh, can't wait to see, can't wait to see. His Upon his head are many diadems. He has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God." His armies, which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, that's us, white and clean. We're following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword. So with it he might smite the nations, and he will rule over them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, on his robe, when he comes, on his robe will be written, The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you even imagine that you and I are here in church, of all the places we could be on a Saturday evening, we've chosen to come to church. And what if, by the grace of an almighty God, he saw fit to come back during this service? What a privilege that would be. Are we ready for him? Are we ready to see him? Are we ready to live with him? Are we ready to be with him forever and ever and ever in that place called heaven? I cannot wait to see that moment. When it happens, praise the Lord but in the meantime let's just be faithful let's be faithful to serve him let's be faithful to study his word let's be faithful to grow. If we grow this evening just this much, let's grow just enough tonight that we might be more and more and more like him when we walk out of this place. Turn with me, please, to one of the one of the most amazing places in Scripture. We are going to start taking a look at what we ought to look like. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're only going to look at one verse, and I'm sorry for that, but we're only going to look at one verse. Next week we'll look at more. But but we're going to look at one verse because it has a lot to say to you and me as people. I recognize recognize fully that this is written to those who are to be the pastors or the elders or as it says, the uh, overseers within the church. But the truth of the matter, these principles are going to apply to every single one of us. Men, women, children, adults. It applies to us to become people like this. People that are immersed in the very essence of following after and loving after their God. Read with me this one wonderful, most amazing verse. Verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, let me tell you what we've done. We've moved from discussing what the congregation ought to look like. Now we are dealing with pastors, elders, leaders within the body of Christ. But may I say to you, when I studied through this, I thought, why not all of us? Why not just, why just some? Why not not all of us desire to live this kind of a life? in in Paul's two letters there's a letter this one of course and then the letter to Titus he shows us what a church ought to look like what leadership within a church ought to look like the very core of the new testament teaching is 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 begins and ends with the leadership within the body of Christ do you remember i'm, I'm going to read verse 1 in a moment I, i'm i'm sorry i'm a little pumped but do you remember when the lord came into this world and and he, and he gathered with his men and he and he said this to them he said he says he said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, I-, I say to you, talking to Peter, you're Peter, you're Peter. And then he says, upon this rock, talking about himself, Jesus, upon this rock, he says, I will build my church. We, we-, we built this church, the Lord did, upon whom he is, his name, the very essence of who he is, this, this rock called Jesus Christ. And he says, the gates of hell shall not overpower it. There's an inseparable link, folks, between the character of a church and the quality of the leadership within the church. And it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't just go to the leadership, say the elders or the, the pastors or, 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 or whoever is the, the leaders of the church. It goes to all of us. You see, a church, it can't be any stronger than the weakest of us. There's all of us that needs to have a, a strength of character, a, a leadership of quality that makes a church all that God wants it to be. And so leaders are to, to set an example, a, a godly example. That's you, that's me. We are to set an example for the church to follow. That's you, and that's me. When, when Paul, who is perhaps the, the, the consummate leader to me, uh, Paul said to, to the church at Ph- Philippi, he said, the things that you... You've, you've learned from me, he said. And, and, the, and the things he said that you've, you've received from me. He, he said the things that you've heard from me and, and the things that you've seen in me, practice them. Practice these things. That's Philippians 4, 9. These things which you've learned, received, heard, and you've seen in me, Paul says, practice them. He gives us an example to follow. And so as we look at this first verse, as we, we, we look through the, the list of qualifications, we're going to note that, that every quality that, that Paul lists are, are spiritual qualities. They're, they're character qualities. They're, they're qualities that, that mark a, a, a leader, but someone who others would want to follow. Here's the interesting part about what, we, what we're what we going to take a look when we take a look at chapter 3. We're, we're going to see that Paul is going to say absolutely Nothing about the duties. Nothing about what my duty is or your duty is within the church. Paul is only going to be concerned with our spirituality, our our morals, our virtue, and our character. That's the necessary foundation that you and I are to build the Rock Community Church upon. So let's take a look. Verse 1. Paul writes simply, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Before discussing this, this particular verse and the individual qualifications against which all people are to be measured, Paul gives some tremendous insight to you and me as a call to spiritual leadership. I'm I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you and I will not look at these verses and think, oh, well, this is what a a pastor ought to look like. This is what an elder ought to look like. Yes, true. But I'm hoping and praying that you and I will take a look at these verses and think, this is what I ought to look like. This 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 is what I ought to aspire to. Paul gives his insight to spiritual leadership. This opening verse suggests some very, very related calls to ministry. When he says it's a trustworthy statement, it shows the importance of, 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 that is placed upon the role of all leadership within the early church. It was then, and it is now, a very serious and sacred trust. It is a trust Worthy statement. It's a very sacred trust that we that we become the men, the women, the people of God that God's called us to become before each other. But more importantly, before God. I was asked a very I was very I was, I was asked a very pertinent, very very uh, uh, I guess important question this 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 week. Um, I was in a situation where I I was I was being asked some questions and someone asked me a, a, a question and and, and and this person was in charge of the, the meeting and I, I sat there for a moment and he looked like, do you know the answer? And uh, I looked up and I said, uh, do you know I fear God far more than I do you? And you need to know that Everything within my being will be to please Him in all that I do, in all that I say, in all that I am. I said, Is that the right answer? He said, That'll do. That'll do. You know, folks, it's a trustworthy statement for you and me to want to honor God with our lives. This place in Scripture is talking about elders and pastors and leaders within a church, but I think you know me well by now. I think you know me well enough to know that all of us ought to aspire to that position of not, not, a, not necessarily a pastor, not necessarily an elder, not necessarily uh, someone, of, uh, that, that, someone that, that comes to so, some whatever level within a church. I think you know me now well enough to know that whatever it is that you and I do, we ought to do it to the best of our ability. We ought to do it to honor our God. And we ought to be the people that God's called us to be at the highest level we can go. So these qualities we're going to study. Yes, they're for an elder. Yes, they're, they're for a pastor. But yeah, they're for you and me. They're for us. They're for us. Father, let's let us let us be very serious about our faith. When we come to a place that talks about, oh, this is what an apostle ought to look like, Father, we ought to aspire to that. Not that we want to be an apostle, Father. We understand that 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 is not possible now. Though that office is already gone, but Father, we can aspire to have an attitude like. Like Paul, we can aspire to have an attitude like Peter, like John, like these dear men and women whom you called long ago to follow you. We can aspire to that position. Heaven's Father, you've asked us that we ought to conform our lives into the image of your Son. We can aspire to that of all things. Yes, we'll fall short. We're not. We're just human beings. But but Father, we can aspire to greatness. We can be here in church tonight with the anticipation that you might return this moment. And our desire is to be like you. What greater tribute can we give you at this moment than to aspire to be all that you want us to be? Oh, Father, what a joy to take our faith seriously. What a joy to think of all the places we could be tonight, all the places on this earth in this time we are here in church worshiping you. Oh, God, bless your Son. Oh, Father, allow us to exalt your Son. And oh, Father, Allow us to ascribe to the desire to become like him. Move me aside, I beg of you, Father, and open up our eyes so that we might might see these wonderful blessings. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. There's a rub here with this place in Scripture. Let Let me just share it with you. I think, and I think you'll agree. Over the years, Christianity is—I don't know—I don't want to be negative, but I don't know that we've—I don't know that we've risen to great, great heights. I don't know that we have a people have put the fear of of God in the in the places where we tread our feet, and people are fearful. We are a people of God, and, and we are a people of power, and that we are a people of miracles because of whom we worship. You see, in Paul's day, the, the pastorate, just going to church, was not entered into lightly. It wasn't. Today, people enter into ministry for a variety of reasons, it's not all of them commendable, I must say. I had a chance to uh, talk to uh, someone whom I love very, very deeply. When I was first asked to, uh, to be a pastor of a church, I, I refused for over two months. I certainly did not feel adequate. Um, certainly did not feel like um, that was something that I should jump, venture into. So I kept, I kept refusing I just said, no, no, no. They kept asking, and I kept saying no. At one time, I told them this. It was kind of a joke, but I said, uh, I said, you know, no wonder this church isn't growing. If Am I the best you could figure you can find? I told them that. I, I kind of meant it, but it was kind of a joke, you know. Well, I kept being asked, and my wife and I kept praying, and she said, you ought to go talk to um, that man you love so much. So I called up that man I loved so much. His name was Chuck Swindoll. Ever hear of him? As a preacher. We became friends. He had done a couple of chapels for me for baseball and football, and so we became friends. This is uh, after they had been asking me a couple months and. So I wanted to just hear what he had to say. So I went over to his office and picked him up, and we were going to go get some Mexican food. Both of us loved Mexican food. When I was in the office, he said, "Wait, uh, wait, wait a minute! I'll be right out." You know? And I said, "Okay." And there was a lot of people there, and so when we walked out, he, he opened the door out to the outside. And as soon as he closed it, and we were all alone, he says, "Well, Pastor, what are you going to do?" <laughs> he already knew about it. He already heard. I said, "How did you hear?" He says, "Oh." Christian gossip. You'll find out about it soon enough. He says, it's been all over this church. They're wondering what you're going to do. And I said, I don't know, Chuck. I... Well, we had a great lunch. He has this booming laugh. And um, needless to say, he was very encouraging and You know, but today, when people enter into ministry, they enter into it for the most bizarre reasons. Some for the money. Others for job security. Prestige. Respect. Privilege of working with other Christians in a Christian atmosphere. And, and many other unacceptable motivations. Motivations. In the early church, however, though, when Paul says it is a trustworthy statement, if you aspire, it is a fine work that you aspire for. In the early church, though, the the conditions were very different. Almost wish it was like this more today. Number one, there was very little money to be made. In fact, Paul and, and many of them often needed outside jobs. Paul was a tent maker, you know. Therefore, the ministry was not considered a a position of prestige. On the contrary, some Christians, especially pastors, were considered outcasts within the community. Do, Do you... Do you do turn, please, hold, hold your place here. look at second Corinthians, second Corinthians just to the left, just a little bit you 'll go past what uh, Thessalonians and Colossians, Ephesians you 'll come to second Corinthians. look at second Corinthians chapter 11. it's really a, a, it's worthy of your reading sometime just to kind of kind of go over it. Look what Paul went through to be a pastor, to be a a follower. Let's, let's not call it a pastor. I thought that's, that's a misstatement. Let's see what he went through to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just like you. Just like me. I'm just going to read to you three verses. You can read the rest when you have time. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Did I tell you? Verse 24. Five times, Paul says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Five times. Five times he was beaten almost to death. You know why they didn't give him 40 lashes? You know they gave our Lord 40. You know why? They felt that anything over 39 lashes would kill a person. (laughs) they, They took him right to the brink of death. Five times I received 39 lashes. Verse 25, three times he says I was beaten with rods. Once, he says, I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night spent in the deep, he said. Can you imagine? I can't. But I think one of the telltale signs of someone in ministry is in verse 28. Whether it be you or me or whomever. Verse 28 says, apart from such external things like beaten. Okay, I've been beaten. I've been beaten. Fine. But apart from those external things, he says, there is this daily pressure that falls upon me, my concern for all the churches. You see, ladies and gentlemen, since the church was a frequent target of persecution, and those who were in the leadership roles often risked their lives as they served their Lord and their Savior. Turn back, please, to 1 Timothy, but listen while I read through some verses. You'll, you can look at them later if you wish. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter uh, three or 13, I should say, excuse me. In 1 Thessalonians, we are told, we request this of you, brethren. Appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you. who would have charge over you in the Lord and who give you instruction. Verse 13, esteem them highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Similar vein, the writer of Hebrews exhorted the church members by saying, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? The writer says, because they keep watch over your soul. Uh, they, they keep watch over your soul as those who are going to give an account. Account to who? Account to who? Account to who? Who, who? who are you and I going to give an account to one day? To God. That's why we live. That's why when that guy asked me a question, and, and I don't know if he was trying to stump me, I, I really don't know what he was trying to do. That's why I said to him, you know, I, I fear God far greater than I do you. I live to please my God in all that I do, in all that I say, and all that I am. You and I are going to give an account one day for how we lived, how we raised our kids, how we treated our parents, how we treated one another, how we treated loved ones, how we treated our enemies. We're going to give an account to God so the writer of Hebrews says to those of us in the church, then those who are over you, let them do it with joy at least. I added, at least. <laughs> and not with grief. To do so, he says, would be un- unprofitable for you. In other words, don't cause them grief. Back again to 1 Timothy, when we think about leaders. Let me tell you what, what leaders are not. Let me tell you what you and I cannot do. We cannot produce godly leaders through Bible colleges or seminaries. We cannot produce godly leaders through pulpit committees within the church. We cannot make men fit for ministry. As a church, we have the responsibility to recognize and then to appoint those who display leadership right before our eyes. We see people who are filled with the Spirit of God. You can't miss them. You can't miss them. Be on the lookout for them. Filled with the Spirit of God and filled with obedience. I'm looking at some here in this church right now that I've already appointed, whether they know it or not that I've already laid my hands, so to speak, upon them whether they know it or not. Young men who I believe are godly men, older men who I believe are godly men, men who have an integral part growing this church. Men who are filled with the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you the truth, only the Holy Spirit can do what we're talking about here. Only, the, only the, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, can really produce true spiritual leaders. My days in ministry have been now since 86, I guess. No, before that, but in church, 86. Gosh, more than a few years. In my days in ministry, I've seen men whom I've known for years melt, melt, melt under the pressure. Finally being told, no, 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 you can't do that. Or asked to do something that they don't wish to do. They don't want to do that and suddenly rebel. Men that you would insist, no way, no way, I, I know them truly only the spirit of god can produce true spiritual leaders and only the spirit of god can have a church lead by people who who desire to be godly men and women i love this church i love what i see here the call to lead in church is so important that i can tell you that only the noblest should apply listen listen to what listen to to Paul's words through this this book, Timothy. And listen to this and and shudder for a moment, if you would. Church leadership is such a delicate position that that we learn a, a tremendously hard truth from none other than Paul himself. Even under his amazing leadership, Paul, the Apostle Paul, The church at Ephesus, founded by him, he ministered there, we are told in the book of Acts, the 20th chapter, the 31st verse. He ministered there for three three years. Listen to what he says. He tells them, be on the alert. Remember that for night and day, for a period of three years, he says, I didn't cease to admonish every single one of you with tears. And yet, after those three years, where he trained and trained and trained a core of godly leaders, teaching them for three years, day and night, shedding tears over them. Nonetheless, I can only imagine Paul's heart when he wrote this concerning the church in Ephesus, which he just left, saying, I know. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30, I know that after my departure, he says, savage wolves are going to come in among you and not spare the flock. And from your own self, he says, men are going to arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Listen, if it happens to Paul, it's going to happen to the best of the best of us. Verse 1, critical to a church, is is who is an overseer? What does that mean, a a pastor? It's called by, that title is called by, by different names. I'll give you a few names. I'll give you about four or five of them, but I'll give you one name that you ought never call anybody. Some are called a presbyter. Some are called an elder. Some are called a pastor, a shepherd. Others are called a bishop. Others are called an overseer or a minister. But of all the titles that you and I ought never to call a man who is ministering is reverend. We ought not ever call anyone reverend. That title means terrible, that which incites terror. It is a title that is only to be given to God Almighty. So please don't ever call me reverend. In verse 1, it says that person who aspires for this office, that word aspire is a rare word in the New Testament. In the Greek, it is O-R-E-G-O. It means to reach out after. It also means to stretch out oneself as to grasp something, to aspire to, to reach for. The other word that is critical in verse 1 is desire. It comes from the Greek word E-P-I-T-H-U-M-E-O. It means a passionate compulsion. These two words, aspire and desire, ought to be a part of your and my life. It ought to describe a person who outwardly pursues ministry, and it all comes from a driving compulsion that comes from within us. You and I could call it passion. Passion for ministry. A desire. You see, the call to ministry is marked by both aspiring and desiring to aspire as an inward consuming passion and to desire as a disciplined outward pursuit. Let me tell you how you'll know a person in ministry. Very simple. This is it. This is it. A person who desires to be in ministry, for them, it's not the best option, it's the only option. They can't help themselves. Paul, remember? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. He says, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Because, he says, I am under compulsion. He says, woe! Woe to me, he says, if I don't preach. He had to do it. He couldn't not not do it. The church must be led by men and women of passion, men who and women who are compelled, men and women who aspire and desire, who have not only this outward desire, but this passion that comes from somewhere with, within them. Ministry is not the best option for them. It's the only option. You'll note that Paul says in verse 1, it is a fine work. <laughs> That's as simple as it gets. It's... It's work. It's the highest and greatest and most glorious calling which anyone could ever be called, but it is work. It is not a nine-to-five job. You think it is? Come toss and turn with me for a few nights. No, don't. That was not a good statement. You can just watch me. Toss and turn. Concerned about you. Concerned about this church. Concerned about what some might be saying. Trying to figure out why. Why are they saying what they're saying? Anyone who is looking for an easy time, not find it in ministry, I'd I'd encourage you, please, don't go into it. Because Paul says ministry is a demanding, lifelong task. It's a work that is never, ever ending. I want you to turn with me as we close to Romans chapter 11. Just one verse. Romans chapter 11 allows us to know that ministry is not a 9 to 5 occupation that one can walk away from and forget whenever they want. Can't tuck yourself neatly into bed at night and think, well, i <laughs> get a nice night's sleep. won't have to worry about anything this evening. No. Ministry is a never-ending battle for souls, for growth, for your compassion, for your passion, for your desire to be a, a man, a woman that God's created you to be. To try to try to build within your life and in within my life a, a passion for Christ. How do I, a frail, frail, frail human being, motivate you to be a woman of God, a man of God. how do I find that by the grace of God I I don't have to by the grace of God if I'll preach to him he'll give it to you but ministry is a lifelong passion folks it is never-ending Romans, chapter 11, verse 29, you might want to underline it. The gifts and the calling of God are what? You can't say, Ooh, thanks. Um, I don't want it. Here. Here. Take it. No, John, it's irrevocable. irrevocable darn it it's irrevocable so I'll weep for you and I don't know why sometimes and I'll desire you to grow and I don't know why sometimes I want this place to be so much more I don't know why sometimes Why do I toss and turn? Do you? Maybe not. Do I? Bet your life. I think if we could understand verse 1, we'd never be the same. Father in heaven, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you more than I can tell you. Will you pray for me? I've got to do this twice tomorrow. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this. I never knew, honestly, I didn't know it was going to be this passionate. Have a great night. I love you very much. I love you very much. I love you very much.